Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 89. Today, we're going to be talking with two amazing tech and STEM teachers talking all about how they are going to be using distance learning to teach STEM education, something I never thought was possible. But today we're going to be learning several different ways that you guys can spice up your distance learning with a little bit of STEM. And we've got plenty of links and ideas. But before we get into our guest today, I want to bring on my co-host, Susan Vincent. Susan, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Great to be back. It's been a great spring break. Semi-unplugged a bit, so it's been a nice rest and we're back in the saddle tomorrow here in Kentucky as we continue our e-learning uh, you endeavors. Know what? We are going into our fourth week of distance learning here. We're actually this is going to be this was supposed to be our spring break, but uh, now we're teaching, which is fantastic because that means we get a little early of a summertime. But um, how are you doing with things? How has your situation been with your students and teachers? Uh, again, um, I can't praise my teachers enough. They have really taken them um, on the challenge and have done an awesome job. Um, so it's, I mean, they've had questions. We've been able to find solutions. Um, all of the great ed tech companies out there that are providing materials, uh, just thank you to all of them. And again, we're doing great um, with what we have and the time that we have had to prepare. And, you know, if you guys are out there trying to figure out this distance learning thing, whether you're in your first week or your fourth week, we want to hear from you guys. Of course, this has been our our month-long distance learning-a-thon. We've had shows all about how to do it. We've shows about how to work with ed tech companies, shows even about how to do one-to-one coaching with your teachers. We want to hear about it. Check out everything over at askthetechcoach.com. And, of course, you can find us over on Twitter at askthetechcoach.com. Susan, I want to say I am excited about this week. We've now had three amazing tech coach roundtables, and the next one is going to be on Wednesday night at 8.30 Eastern. We've been having about 40 to 50 tech coaches stop by each week. I'm yes. excited. I know you're excited. What are, what are some of the things that you look forward to now that we have this regular weekly tech coach roundtable? Just the conversation and just, again, the collaboration of just being able to um, talk about issues, talk about what's going well, talk about how to um, solve each other's problems that we might be running into from all over the country. You know, I might be doing it one way here in Kentucky, but, you know, out in California, they may have a great idea of what they're doing and what they're um, presenting that, you know, we're going to probably hopefully hear some about tonight also. But um, just great collaboration between the tech coaches across the country. And as we all have heard me say before, that's a huge passion of mine is being able to collaborate and help new tech coaches and um, help them gain experience. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about that collaboration. I want to bring on a good friend of ours and returning guest of the show from the great state of Texas, Mr. Tom Gibson. Tom, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. I'm doing good, Jeff. Thanks. It is so great to see you. How are things down in Texas? Tell us a little bit about yourself. What does life look like during this time of distant learning for you? Yeah, I am a middle school math, robotics, and YouTube video production teacher in Austin, Texas. Um, and all of Texas uh, has been pushed till uh, May 4th, um, as far as like the earliest that schools can go back. But Austin ISD, uh, I don't work for Austin ISD, but my private school kind of lines up with them. Austin ISD just announced that they will be distance learning throughout for the rest of the school year. And so I am kind of in a unique position because me and my wife just had our first child right at the end of February. And so I have been in the role of trying to prepare a long-term sub to do distance learning for my students when I haven't even actually been there myself to do some of the distance learning. But luckily, I feel very tech savvy. I feel I'm pretty comfortable with tools and I've introduced my students to several things already. Um, and so there haven't been too many new things uh, that I've had to have the sub introduce the students to. And the sub also has a background in computer science. And so he's familiar with technology as well. Uh, so that's been super, super helpful. Um, I don't know how this would have gone had I had a teacher that was a little bit more apprehensive about working with technology and doing distance learning. Well, that's interesting that you said that you had a child and now you were planning to be out, but now everyone's teaching from home. So you're exactly. <laughs> even though you're home, you're still having a substitute teach your students. Is that what I heard? Exactly, because they are wow. still doing a lot of FaceTime uh, with the students. They're doing Zoom classes. Um, they're not doing as much in-class time as traditional. Usually, we have an A, B block schedule, um, and classes are usually an hour and a half long. So, class periods one through four on our, like, Monday five through eight on Tuesday and they alternate. So with this uh, new schedule, instead of having hour and a half long Zoom classes, students are having 45 minute Zoom classes um, and they're going to periods one through four on Monday and Thursday and then periods five through eight on Tuesday and Friday. And Wednesday, it serves as kind of like an office hours flex day uh, sort of class period or day um, where there's no official classes that are scheduled. Um, but once this actually all started, I was actually really thankful to still be on paternity leave. Uh, so I wasn't having to still like be holed away in my computer on my computer all day, but I could just write the sub plans on Sunday morning, send them out to my uh, long term sub and then just check in with them at the end of the week. And I, I was able to still I'm still able to be present um, at home with my family. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're certainly looking forward to hearing all about what you're doing down there. I also want to bring on our good friend from the great state of uh, California, North California, I believe. She just yes. recently was the keynote speaker at the NCCE conference. My good friend, Miss Tammy Dunbar. Tammy, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you doing, Mr. Bradbury? Lovely to be on the show again. Hello, Susan. Hello, Tom. Great to have you. Thank you for being here. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you doing? I know you've been preparing your teachers and getting your own science students ready. Yes, so I'm a fifth grade teacher, self-contained Title I school in Manteca, California. We're 75 miles east of San Francisco. Our district has about 1,400 educators. We're a one-to-one -one Microsoft district, have been for five years. But some teachers have been a little eh, slow to, you know, kind of accept teams. And we, we got them in one note, but we haven't done a lot with teams. So when this all hit, we were on spring break. So we actually got our spring break. And then when we came back, we were given the gift of time. We were given two weeks last week and this past week uh, to 
learn uh, how to use Teams. And since I'm one of the Microsoft Innovative Educator Expert Fellows, um, I did a webinar for my district with 1,400 teachers on the call. We did a Teams Live, and it was awesome to have that many. Actually, that was almost all of our teachers, so that was very nice. Um, and so we're ready. Our students have their devices at home now. We've deployed the K-4 devices to home. And so we are ready to start tomorrow live um, with recorded uh, PowerPoints uploaded to stream, assigned in Teams, and we're using forms for attendance and all kinds of other tips and tricks. And so we're just hoping it all goes well. Well, I'm glad that everybody is here. I'm glad everybody is safe. and I'm glad everybody is healthy. Let's just kind of start off here. You know, I, I want to talk about STEM education. I'm glad that it's a topic that's starting to come up. I'm seeing in Twitter and on other blog posts. When we think of STEM education, we think of students working collaboratively, hands-on learning, building projects, that type of stuff. Tammy, how do you do this with distant learning? Well, the T in STEM is technology, Jeff. And so right away, we're already working in STEM when we've got students trying to figure out how they're going to collaborate, communicate, be creative, and problem solve, right? So right away, we're already in STEM and we've got students working on things. In our district, we're obviously using Microsoft products. So we're using Teams to use Meet Now. And there's really a cool way to have private rooms within Teams. So I've got six little learning groups where I can go in. The kids are going to be working collaboratively with in there and I just drop into the rooms and check how they're doing on their projects. So it's it's doable. It absolutely is doable. Now you're talking in theory. You're talking as if everybody was going to be doing this and gung-ho. What we're finding is that's not always the case. When you're training your teachers on how to do this, are you giving them a plan A, plan B, or how did you handle 1,400 teachers with all these different learning styles, both for the teachers and, of course, for the students? No, and that's a great question. And the great thing, the gift in our district is we're kind of being given that that flexibility to be able to set the schedule that we want and move it around as we see fit. Uh, because the lessons are recorded, the students can watch them at their leisure, and we're keeping office hours where we can do some live one-on-one -on -one things. Uh, so what we're doing for teachers, some, as you know, some are very newbies at it, and others are high-tech. So we're giving them opportunities for extra training. We've had lots of side trainings. Uh, last week we ran uh, every morning from eight to 10, I was on just a help desk and I had teachers just hopping on saying, oh, I just tried to do this. How do you do that? And of course, screen sharing and being able to show them, oh, here's how you do it. I mean, I was talking to uh, y'all before the show and I was saying, I've still got teachers emailing me Sunday night that are still trying to tweak because teachers are working 24 seven, trying to make sure those lessons are great. Um, I think the other gift we're giving our teachers in our district, at least, is the opportunity to teach in the way they see fit. If they want to try live, they can. If it doesn't work, that's okay. And if recorded lessons don't work, that's okay. Uh, we're all in a learning uh, curve, if you will. And so we're just trying to be flexible and allow the students to have what they need. Uh, we don't know all the things that are going on in families with their homes and internet connectivity, let alone, you know, if someone's sick or if someone's uh, worried about the next meal. So we're trying to do the best we can to reach out to families and work with them. So this week is just figuring out how it all looks and hoping for the best. Tom, talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing. I'm still, 
I, I feel overwhelmed for you having to teach somebody how to teach somebody that you, in a world that you've never been able to teach before. What yeah. are you looking at doing? And maybe could you give us an example of some of the activities that you're planning? Are you asking your, your substitute to do PowerPoint? Are you asking the substitute to get students to do physical activity? Like, what does it look like for you? Yeah, as much as I could, I tried to replicate what we kind of were doing, some, uh, the the kind of dialogues that we would have, at least in our math classroom. So if I take my pre-algebra class, uh, for example, we were supposed to have, when we came back from spring break, a review and then a quiz. And so with the review activity, I had the sub actually go through the problem and say like, okay, I guys want you guys to try these on your own in the live class and then i want you i want to hear several people and i want to hear does okay i'm going to call on this student and they'll share what they did does anyone agree with that does anyone disagree with that and so that's very normal for our classroom and that's very normal for our students and so i tried to keep that conversation and that style of dialogue about the mathematics uh even on zoom keep, keep it going um and then when the the idea of doing a quiz i was like okay well, i can't do a paper pencil quiz at home um so instead i'm going to take my 10 question quiz and i'm going to bring it down to four questions and then i'm going to have the students they're going to have to work on it a little bit in class in breakout sessions breakout rooms using zoom um, and so they could talk to each other this was not a graded quiz uh, but they wanted to be able to understand the problems hey how do you do number one can you explain it to me they know writing down the answer and just writing just copying someone is not going to be beneficial to them because after they went over those problems with a partner and then they went over it all together in a zoom class which took whole week because I'm trying to limit the amount of stuff that I'm expecting students to do at home because I don't know everything that's going on. There might be five people trying to get online. There might be not a quiet space for them to work. So I'm trying to think of like, what would I normally do on a Monday class? And then I'm going to spread that out throughout the whole week. So for the quiz, they, 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 they went through the four in breakout sessions. Then they talked about it in Zoom class as a whole. I had my sub make a key and then post it on our learning management system. Um, and then the students will have to make a blog reflection or a video on two of the problems and they have to show that they understand conceptually what's going on and why it works that way and not just say first you do this then you do this then you do this this is also similar to something that we've done in class they've done blogs before they haven't done videos yet but i opened up the option if they wanted to just record a video on their cell phone and then i told the i told the sub when he's grading it i'm like okay there's a very simple checklist i want them to be using this vocabulary and making sure they're using it appropriately and understand that they're getting they know what the right answer is because they've talked about it in class but now hopefully they can actually put it in their own words and if a student seems like they really know what they're doing then let's go ahead and give them an a it might be a low a might be a high a or whatever it falls on the checklist that i gave him um, and so that kind of allowed it to be something that they were creating a product as opposed to just sitting down and doing a, a paper pencil quiz or something like that um, and then in my robotics class my coding and robotics class um, we use a platform called code hs uh, to learn Python, which they're going to continue doing at home, but they actually would work on it during Zoom class so they can go and talk to each other and ask each other questions. But the only new thing that I implemented, um, and since this was my more my tech savvy class, um, was I uses, used Google's CS First curriculum with Scratch uh, because that platform is actually really similar to the platform that we use with our Lego EV3 robotics. And so I thought, well, maybe if we come back, they can translate what they learned in Scratch back to the robotics 
robotics and they have like it's all contained in their explanation videos my sub has a computer science background so i had him go through it on his own so that way he could support the kids as they were asking questions and then they also just worked on that during zoom class and by the end of it they're going to be able to make a a game a video game in scratch and so that was like when I was going into this, I was trying to think of what can they do at home that would be meaningful, but also instead of taking these 50 emails I'm getting a day from ed tech companies that I don't even remember giving my email to saying they've got the solution to my distance learning problem, I went with the things that I was already using. I'm like, I'm already using Khan Academy. What has Khan Academy done to support distance learning? Awesome. They've got this page on all about using Khan Academy. I'm going to shoot that over to the sub and say, this is how we're going to implement it in my class. What is Code HS doing to implement distance learning? Awesome. Pro versions for free. Went in, set it up to pro so I could see all the assignments and get all the pro features. And so I didn't explore anything new. I, I went to see what the companies that I was already using were doing to support this distance learning. You know, and I love so much that you are taking a look at what your students are used to, because I think that's the comfort level is what's going to get them, you know, mm -hmm. engaged in things. I love that. And I'm, I'm agreeing with you the same thing. We use curriculum that's digital. And so I'm assigning that curriculum that they're used to seeing and assigning mm -hmm. uh, sites that they're used to seeing. I, and Khan Academy. Great. They've got some really good stuff. I'm yeah. excited about that, too. You know, Susan, yeah. it's great to see everybody not making a complete left turn, but basically saying, what did you do yesterday? How do we do this? I've been working a lot with exactly. my teachers on, you know, not really introducing the SAMR model, but at least using it as a reference to say, what would you have been doing if you were in class? Now, mm -hmm. what is that digital version? Let's just take step one. Exactly. Just the substitute. Half. As now, much as we talk about trying to extend that SAMR model, right now if we can just get them to that substitution level right and a little bit to that augmentation level we're we're doing great in our distance learning environment i think substitution right now is yeah i've been using the hashtag account. continue the learning ah i like yes. that we will definitely put that on there now tammy you had mentioned and we have some links in the show notes here some of the the great microsoft apps that you're using one of them just came out with some really cool features tell us a little bit about how you're planning to use flipgrid Flipgrid. I love Flipgrid. If you have used Flipgrid, it's this great site that you can go to. Well, it's an app too, so it's all over the place. But you go to Flipgrid and you can record 90 uh, second messages. Okay, that sounds kind of cool. How do you use that? So one of the things you can do in STEM, let's talk about the M. Uh, there's a whiteboard feature in there. So uh, tomorrow, my students are actually going to be online. They're going to follow a link that takes them directly to a Flipgrid. It has a math problem there. It's actually... Uh, mixed numbers that they'll have to divide. Haha. -ha. And so we're just going to review what we've had. They're going to use the whiteboard feature and they're going to talk through how they solve the problem in 90 seconds. So a little bit of thinking there. We've done it a couple of times, but it's wonderful to use the whiteboard feature in there. Of course, it can record your face as well. Um, and that's the cool news uh, is that they've opened up. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of an oxymoron. They have shorts that teachers can record short videos, but they've lengthened it. So now 
now you can record a 10 minute short. So you can record a long short, which is weird. Um, but what I like about it is I can record in my class. Um, I have an alter ego named Dr. Dunbar. She comes in and does experiments. So I can take that 10 minute recording. I can do an experiment, film it and put it right into Microsoft Teams for my students to watch and reflect upon. And hopefully some of the things we're using, uh, they can replicate those in their own kitchen. Hey, now that I think of it, my classroom's not going to get messy. So there's mm -hmm. a plus with that as well. Uh, Flipgrid also has a disco library, which sounds like a party, but it's actually a, a treasure trove of ideas and a lot of STEM stuff in there from other teachers uh, just up there that, you know, why recreate the wheel? You can just go through and say, oh, I really like this one. Duplicate, assign, done. So, yeah, Flipgrid is awesome. Tom, you had mentioned a few of these STEM things. If a teacher is not really technological, where would be a good jumping point for them if they wanted to test the waters with something? Well, I would say hopefully just I'm sure they're getting the, the message from the district of, of like, where are you going to put assignments? Um, because I think if you're in a school and you have, if you have a kid that has like eight different teachers and one's using Google classroom, another one's doing this and another one's doing that. And the other one has their own website. Like that would be so difficult. So I would see first, what is everybody in your school doing as far as like, where are we going to put our classrooms, whether it's a website uh, that you have already had, or maybe you haven't had any digital presence yet. And, 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 and now you're having to actually create that, see what everyone else is doing in your school. Um, if you're a Google school, it makes sense to use Google classroom. If you're a Microsoft school, it makes sense to use Microsoft teams. Um, and so that'd be the first place I would say to start. Um, and then it would be, it, talk to your other teachers. If you have other math teachers, hey, I, I know you said you use something with, with Khan Academy. Uh, is that something I can use my distance learning? What could I do? Or, hey, I know you said something about a, a video grid thing where kids could send videos. Like, what is that and how could I use it? Use your fellow teachers as your resource because they're going to be the most accessible to you and and you won't have to go and try and search for things because then you're just going to be stuck by like the paradox of choice. Like, I don't know what to do. All of these are saying they're going to be great. I don't know which ones are actually good. I don't know who to talk to about these. Find the people in your district, in your school that are the tech teachers and, and, and see what they're doing and try to get some guidance from them as opposed to just going with, with what, what I'm comfortable with or what Tammy's comfortable with, you know, um, and, and what you're hearing. Um, what, what, are, what, are, what are the people in your school already using? I yeah, said, I love that. Oh, sorry. No, please. Go ahead, um, Tammy. I just love the idea of, of asking the teachers and especially encouraging them to post uh, recorded lessons in a in a platform that everyone can access. Uh, we have teachers who are recording math lessons, but they're like they're second grade teachers, but they're sharing it. So other second grade teachers mm -hmm. can post that lesson. You know, why recreate the wheel, as you were saying? So uh, use your PLN, use your professional learning network, not just, you know, on the Twitter versus or here on TeacherCast, but at your school district, there are some amazing teachers there that you can tap into their resources. So I was going to ask Tammy, just tagging off of, you know, as tech coaches, we're trying to encourage our teachers the best way, or excuse me, the best way to incorporate STEAM in at a distance learning level and try to get their hesitancy under control. Then how do we continue that once they're comfortable in engaging the students, you know, you just mentioned, Tammy, your alter ego that you bring in inside the classroom. So how do you continue that with STEM learning at home? 
Ah, uh, how do I continue? For teachers, you mean? How do I encourage well, them? Well, or just keep start? encouraging the teachers to keep the students engaged at home. Understood. And being interested in the STEM concepts. <laughs> um, well, part of what I've found, and I'm sure Thomas found this as well, is when, when a teacher gets like has real success, even if it's just, and I always tell them just one thing, just focus on one new thing. If it's going to be a recorded PowerPoint or if it's, you know, whatever it is, focus on that. And once teachers have a success, then they get excited and they want to do more. It's it's not a matter of me having to inspire them at that point. It's a matter of them finding success and going, what else can I do now? What, what's next? And then having that professional learning network where someone could say, well, you, you just did this, you know, you just did a flip grid. Maybe you might want to go over and assign something from Khan Academy, or maybe you might want to go over and, Oh, Khan Academy has a new Imagineering in a box. It's a partnership with Disney. Have you heard of that, Tom? I have. I saw that. Yeah. Didn't that look cool? And yeah. it's all, it's right. It's engineering. If you want to uh, build a, a dream park, uh, like a, a, a theme park, right? Yeah. It sounds like really cool. Yeah. And, and that's and that all link free. is in our show notes. That mm -hmm. it is indeed. A lot of people are opening, a lot of corporations are opening up websites, uh, ones that I trust. Uh, NASA at home has a whole website with, with uh, things from NASA lessons and such. So, um, yeah, I think once they find success, they're just going to be enthusiastic. And when they look at their fellow teachers and what they are doing, then they get excited and say, well, I did this and I like what you're doing. Tell me how you did that. So relationships are still important, right? I love the idea about building that PLN. You know, that's one of the reasons why now on Wednesdays we're doing weekly tech coach meetings. And anybody out there who's listening, just reach out to us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. I'll certainly send you guys the invitation and would love to have you guys be a part of this. Now, in my tech education classes, I'm looking to move into coding and programming, something that I usually do in our first semester around December, brings up the whole hour of code things. But I'd love to get any advice on this. You know, I'm in a situation right now where I'm not allowed to, you know, we, we have blocked the ability for students to share screens. So I'm either seeing a, a kid's face, but more often than not, I'm just seeing that profile picture, whatever they have. I'm trying to teach them how to do things without seeing what they're looking at. How can I be successful with this? I, I you know, usually I start off by doing some of the code.org games, but in a, in a virtual environment, I don't want to tell them to go click on this link and they're playing the Minecraft game and I, I can't see them. But I also don't want to have a five-minute class where I say, today we're doing this, see you tomorrow. Like, go go earn the certificates and, and, and find me again. How do we do some of these things when we don't actually see what's going on? We have no control. Um, you don't know if the student is is logging in but then walking away. How do we control the uncontrollable? I would say um, with my coding and robotics class, the the fact that they got on the Google CS first platform. The cool thing about that is there. I, I do like like the code the the, the hour of code or the code.org stuff, and we use Code HS, which is a lot of like solve a problem, and everyone pretty much creates the same code. Mm -hmm. uh, but the nice thing about the Google CS first curriculum is like they they have to like the first assignment is to animate a name. And so they're going to use their name and there's all these things that make it zoom in and zoom out and change colors. And so all the kids are going to go and take a different approach to this. They're just learning the tools on how to do it. And so the way that I told my sub to do it was I had him introduce the assignment. The students created their accounts and they stayed in yours in the Zoom class. But he told them 
at 10 minutes before the end of class, we're all going to check in and see what everybody did, because not only does that give you a formative assessment opportunity, but then students can start getting inspired by each other's work. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, how did you do the rainbow effect? I was only able to change it to blue and green or something like that. And so there's a little bit of that accountability. Um, and then if there is that student that's like, oh, I, I, I didn't I didn't get anything done. Like, then you can actually follow up with that student and you can actually see what they were able to do. Did they not understand? Were they having technical difficulties? Were they playing Minecraft in the background? Um, and then there is that built-in accountability when there's like, even though we're all working on our computers independently and we're in Zoom class, we're not necessarily engaging, we are going to be coming together at the end of this to see what we've done. Yeah, which is cool. And see, we're using Microsoft Teams, which has the uh, capability of allowing a student to share his or her screen with me. So I could very easily say, okay, share your screen and show me what you built. Um, but someone mentioned Minecraft EDU earlier, and I, I'm i planning not this coming week, because this coming week is just kind of getting our sea legs. But next week after Easter, um, I'm actually going to be giving them an assignment where I'm going to meet them in Minecraft. I'm going to create a world and give them a code, and they're going to have to find me via coordinates. It's going to be kind of like a breakout, but I'm going to be in the Minecraft world with them. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to have good attendance for that class. That sounds cool. I've, I've wanted to look into the Minecraft EDU stuff and I've never played Minecraft. So part of me is like, oh, I got to figure out that game first, but I'm sure yeah. if third graders can figure it out, then I should be okay. Oh, super. And <laughs> and they're opening up to, it's free right now all the way, I think really? until the end of May or June that you can download it and play with it. Uh, this week, they're actually going into um, having them download the chemistry world. We just finished the periodic table of elements in my class. And so they have to go through, I think it's three or four um, labs where they have to stop and do something with building compounds and that sort of thing. And they make it to the very end where they have to build a, a lab for their scientist. And of course, they're building a lab for crazy Dr. Dunbar and they have to do an NPC of Dr. Dunbar in it as well. Mm -hmm. And then they'll screen share with me so I can see what that looks like. So let's bring the conversation more into the coaching realm. How can we as coaches support this? Because we are going to have teachers that are full gung-ho. We're going to have teachers that are their own Dr. Dunbars. And we're going to have teachers that we're going to be wanting to encourage these things. And, and we might need to hold their hand. What can we as coaches do to support our teachers and how? Because, you know, this is not the easiest thing in the world, but what suggestion do you have for that first year, second year, even that, that 15th year tech coach? Uh, being present. What I've found these last two weeks, uh, the district has, my district has allowed me to kind of act as tech coach for the last two weeks. And it's being present and being available. I've had emails. I've been on uh, screen share calls where I've taken over their device and showed them how to do something or showed them on my device or walked them through doing it themselves and, and, just I, I really think that's super important that that as a tech coach, you're available. It's a smiling face. It's I'm always here for you. You've got it. It's always got to be encouraging, especially for uh, some of our teachers who are not as tech savvy and celebrating the small victories because that makes a big difference, too. I mean, I always send an email. Hey, I really loved what you did today. Great job. So I think the, the teachers need uh, some of them need as much support as the students. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I would say seeing where the teacher is at, if you have that teacher that really has not done any any kind of technology work in their classroom, 
I think for that teacher, it is more helpful for them to be like, okay, we're going to get you started on something called Google Classroom to get you all organized. And then I'm going to show you exactly how to just pull up the PowerPoint that you have, and you can actually record you talking over it. And I'm going to share just two or three best practices of how to do that. And just getting that like, okay, I just need to do this, this, and then this, instead of being like, well, what do you want to do? We've got this and we've got this and we've got this and we've got this, which one sounds good to you? It's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what sounds good to me. I just, I need to get started on this and telling them and just saying like, okay, as your school, your school is kind of moving in this direction. So I'm going to get you started on these, watch this video first and then do this and then watch this next instructional video on how to actually do this, the next part of what you need to do. So I think we, I think in, in meaning well, giving people lots of options sometimes is counterproductive, um, Very depending true. on where they're Oh, at. yeah. Same with students, right? If you give students yeah. too many choices sometimes. I love that. A lot of times what we apply to our students, we need to apply to our teachers. Very much breaking into chunks. I mean, I've gotten, um, thankfully, compliments, you know, and some video tutorials I made on Zoom the other day. And they're like, oh, thank you so much for just breaking it into chunks. Mm -hmm. You know, I did, you know, how to get into it at first. Then I did a separate one for scheduling a meeting and a separate one for best practices and uh, settings. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you have to differentiate. I will say as a tech coach, I think you may be really excited when you're making your screencast to be like, and if you want to do this, you could check out this. You just go into settings and you, do, and you just get so excited. You want to show all the things. Mm -hmm. I think you need to scale it back. Very much. That is the bare essential Practice mm -hmm. your own best practices. Don't send out a 15-minute instructional tutorial. It should be three minutes tops. And then if it's more than that, then break it up into two videos. Um, because then it's just going to be like someone's like, ah, I just people don't even know that they should probably just pause and do and then resume the video. They're going to try watching the whole thing and then just feel overwhelmed. No, absolutely. I've also noticed when I'm when I'm coaching, when I'm showing them things, I've had to be very careful to slow my pace mm -hmm. because if I, we tend as tech coaches, as techies, to go really fast, or you can do this right. And so I'm finding if I'm feeling like I'm taking my time. That's about the pace that some people need to be able to follow. Some are still writing down the instructions, right? When you're talking. So pacing is important to differentiate. Is, we have to differentiate. That is extremely good advice. And, and, you know, I, I want to wrap up here and, and ask Tammy one thing that, that I'm struggling with. And I know many other teachers are struggling with, which is working with students that have different languages. And I know that there's some, uh, some features in PowerPoint, I believe, that will help out. If, if anybody out there is looking to figure out how to how to talk and have it auto translate, what, what is the answer for this? Because and, and I'd like you to answer this in the way that it's for Microsoft and, and possibly in Google environments, because I, I would love to be able to use PowerPoint in Google Classroom where I can. Okay, I'll stop there. Tammy, I know you're... No, you're and, and Microsoft way. products, I, you know, nowadays you can kind of stream everything together. So, but yes, Microsoft has made it a real priority. I sound like I work there. I'm a teacher. Uh, but they've <laughs> made it a real priority to to be access for accessibility. And so in PowerPoint, you can turn on um, uh, subtitles 
so that it's, uh, you could, could for a student who is hard of hearing, you could just turn the subtitles on in English. So as I'm speaking, it would be, you know, popping up in English, or you could turn them on. We're 76% Hispanic at my school. So I could turn them on. So while I'm speaking English, the subtitles are popping up in, uh, in Spanish. You can do that within teams as well when you're doing a meeting or a live event. And of course, uh, there's also a web-based translate for, uh, for Microsoft that students can pop a code in so that uh, when I start my PowerPoint uh, presentation, if I'm doing one live and sharing my screen, um, the kids can pop that code in. It'll take them, and it's an app as well, by the way, and that takes them to the site or to the app. They put the code in. They say, well, she's speaking English, but I speak French or I speak Portuguese or whatever, Tagalog, and they put that in. And as I'm speaking on their screen, or their computer screen, it's coming up in that language, which is kind of cool because it's almost like a UN of presentations. Uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of a kind of a cool thing. And is that PowerPoint on? I keep asking you this like, every time I talk to you. Is that PowerPoint online or PowerPoint app? That's PowerPoint desktop. And is yeah, that I don't, Mac, I, and, Mac and Windows? Maybe. I'm not sure about I'm not sure about Mac because Mac has been a little slow. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, because it works on my iPhone, which is an Apple product. So I'm going to say yes, because the, the translate works incredibly well on my phone. So, yes. See, Susan, I'm trying to play stump Tammy Dunbar with some of these. <laughs> you are. And she came through. <laughs> She's coming through. Well, guys, I'm, I'm trying. Gonna, I'm trying. I'm going to wrap up here with with advice. Like, what advice do you guys have for anybody who's starting out this week? I feel like Susan and I are are looking at the before picture because you guys are just getting into this, and and Susan and I have been. I I feel like the after picture because now I'm in my fourth week here, and I'm I'm kind of saying. How do you do this? I mean, I, I had a class the other day where 18 out of 24 kids decided not to show up. How do you do this? How do you keep motivating? How do you how do, all those different questions? I know I'm not alone. Tom, I'll give you the floor here. Advice to any tech coach that's looking to, you know, keep this thing alive, motivate all those great things. Time's yours, Tom. I would say uh, just like we want to practice our best practices in with the students when you are meeting with your teachers, ask them how things are going. And they're like, eh, how's it going? Okay, well, here's how you do this thing. What I'm seeing is be, the teachers that are being successful or teachers that are finding the most meaning in their time through this distance learning is recognizing that as we're going to try to get as much of this curriculum in as we can but there is a pandemic going on. I don't know what's going on in these kids' homes. Some of them may be in really terrible situations. And so when I see them, I am going to make time every day to ask, to check in, how are things going? What'd you eat for breakfast? What do you, what, what, what is the most exciting thing that you have going on today after you get on the Zoom call? What, what video games are you playing? Make time to check in with those students because that is gonna be one of those biggest, that's the biggest thing that they're lacking. And in the same way, tech coaches should not only encourage their teachers to do that and say, hey, Hey, when you're using Zoom or Google Teams or whatever it is, check in with your students. The tech coach needs to be tech checking in with these teachers as well. Tammy, rebuttal, 
response. What do you rebuttal. think? Rebuttal. I disagree, no. Tom. I disagree. Don't check in with the team. No, actually, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I, I think a, a tech coaches have to be checking in with teachers. I mean, teachers are, are we're automatically going to be checking in with our students. I mean, just go on Facebook or on Twitter and you can see all the teachers posting. I miss my kids. I'm doing a car parade past their home so that, you know, I just miss them so much. So I, I, I don't think we need to remind them of that, but we do need to check in on them because we don't know what's happening in students' homes, but we also don't know what's happening with teachers. You know, new babies. Um, our vice principal, her, her father just passed a, a week ago. You know, you just don't know what, what's, what struggles your teachers are facing. So being empathetic, being uh, available, being present and and I was thinking it might also be uh, beneficial if you see a teacher who's having some success, um, maybe asking that teacher to share it on a platform that other people in the district or his or her school could see. Uh, sometimes you never know who your superstars are going to be, and you might find a teacher that, oh, I, I, hey, I really like what you're doing. Could you share that with, with your teachers, or would you mind recording that or sharing that uh, out? And then suddenly these teachers blossom and, and not only teach students, but teach teachers. So tech coaches, don't try to do it all by yourself. It gets overwhelming. If you've got some teachers that have some good ideas, share those out because teachers like to see practical application. They like to see what would it look like when I'm using it. And this is a brand new school year when you think about it. This is, I mean, it's it's our classroom, but it's a new classroom. So there have to be new procedures and there have to be new regulations and rules and strategies. So uh, just being supportive, being present and we're all in this together. So be there. You know, Susan, we've been live here streaming out on YouTube. I'm having fun with this new system. I think we're going to be trying to yes. do this uh, in the future here, calling this it is exciting. Live. Uh, and I want to say thank you to everybody who's been popping into the comments and to the chat box here. Uh, you know, I miss doing our Tech Educator <laughs> podcast a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is there room to do Tech Coach Live what can we do? Um, Susan, I'll give you the last word here to kind of wrap up. We're looking at distance learning. We're looking at first week. What are you thinking about right now? Just keep swimming, just keeping <laughs> at it and keeping going. Uh, and, you know, spring is coming. Keep swimming. Um, you know, just keep doing what we're doing. Tech coaches out there, you're doing a great job. And, you know, continue pulling together, sharing on social media what you all are sharing on Twitter, on Facebook is just awesome. And it's motivating me. It's lit a fire under me, you know, in some ways it's just been almost a um, refreshing time doing school this way. You know, I miss my students and I miss seeing my teachers face to face, but just seeing what these teachers are accomplishing and being so proud of themselves in accomplishing these tasks and getting these assignments out to students and being happy about it is making my heart happy. Tammy? It just strikes me that uh, tech coaches should take heart because right now, teachers and community members are seeing the value of having tech coaches and how exactly. important it is to be on the cutting edge of things. So we need you. We need to have you. This is a great time to be a tech coach. People understand what you do. 
I certainly agree with that. Couldn't, you know, couldn't say much more than that one. And you know what? We are creating an amazing tech coaches network over on TeacherCast. If you go over to askthetechcoach.com, you can check out all of our podcasts, our blogs. This, of course, is Ask the Tech Coach podcast episode number 89. And we want to say thank you guys for taking the time to support us all, checking us out live this week on Facebook. And of course, if you're interested in joining our weekly meetings, we are going to be meeting every single Wednesday at 8.30 Eastern right here on the TeacherCast Educational Network. And on behalf of Tom, Tammy, Susan, and everybody here on TeacherCast, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.